This is an Alexandrian Media original podcast. Am I going to start recording? You might as well just start recording now. We might as well. <laughs> you got like weirdly intimate with that microphone just now. That's because... You it's also a podcast like, with your newly shaved head and, and baseball cap. You like to sport. You look like that one comedian dude. He, he was in um, the Good Place. He was the doorman in the afterlife. Remember him? Yeah. You look just like him. Oh, yay! <laughs> I just just figured <laughs> I should let you know that. Thanks. <laughs> um. Anyway, welcome to our show. Welcome. Okay, let's actually really start now. How do we start? Welcome, listeners. This is Culture But Not Really unqualified lessons in history and pop culture i am your co-host Stephen trigar and i am your other co-host brian edwards welcome to our episode welcome <laughs> well on today's episode i will be bringing my knowledge to the table from what i know of, of pop culture Ooh, ooh, right right <laughs> oh my gosh it sounds fun what do you have today well, have you ever heard of Frank Lloyd Wright? I have. I don't know him very much. I only know about that house in Pennsylvania and the waterfall, but... Well, we'll get into it. Okay. Frank Lloyd Wright is probably the America's most well-known architect of our time and has been basically dubbed the best American architect ever. Wow. Um, Frank Lloyd Wright was born in Richland Center, Wisconsin in, 19, in 1867. And he was born to William Carey Wright and his mother, Anne Lloyd Jones, which are, she in particular is, is responsible for a lot of his success from an early age. From, from a little quick background of, of Frank Lloyd Wright, he had a 70-year-long career that wow. spawned over 1,000 different structures that he had designed. Damn. I know, right? He was busy. <laughs> um, but from an early, early, early age, he had been, through his kindergarten curriculum, his mother was, was teaching him, bought a set of educational blocks called Froebel Gifts, which became the literal early building blocks to his career. Hmm. In fact, uh, Frank Lloyd Wright would go on to say in an interview, for several years, I sat at the little kindergarten tabletop and played with the cube, the sphere, and the triangle. These smooth wooden maple blocks are all on my fingers to this day, which I think is, speaks pretty powerfully to to what he had growing up as a as a backbone. Yeah. In fact, when Anne Lloyd Jones was pregnant with little little baby Frank Lloyd, she had a premonition, a, a declaration, let's say, that she, she when she was expecting her first child, when she was expecting her first child, that they would grow up to build beautiful buildings. 
She decorated his nursery growing up with engravings of English cathedrals and and really pushed that as as part of what she saw for him. So hmm. literally from his from his inception as a human being, he was put on this path to of greatness to become such a great architect of of our time. You will be an architect. Basically, she said, "Hey little, hey little Frank, gonna build buildings, little Frank." You're gonna do it. Gonna do it for mommy. You're gonna. Mom, mommy's little architect. <laughs> Imagine those little, those little uh, bibs. <laughs> mommy's, little. mommy's little architect. Child's first building. Yeah. <laughs> and if, if Lincoln Logs were built or, or available, you would have been building skyscrapers with those things. Yeah. Fun fact about those later. Ooh. I know. Stay tuned. Little hint. Little, little hint a Rooney. <laughs> Unfortunately, Frank Lloyd did not have the easiest life, particularly in his early teens. He had some family troubles where his father just left and never saw him again. Mm. Kind of left him a little, not in the best way in terms of stable upbringings, which kind of would lead into a lot of what happens in his personal life. But we'll get on that later. Um, He unfortunately doesn't have a lot in in the way of what his education was like because he went to high school but there was no actual evidence that he graduated he went the records that say he went to madison high school in wisconsin um he was admitted to the university of wisconsin madison in 1886 as a special student which special student yeah i looked it up i did i didn't because i didn't know what it was either apparently it's if you are if you have certain academic achievements so like if you've met a certain academic level but not necessarily the level of what the university is looking for they admit you as a special student who has like an advisor and keeps you Mm. kind of overlooking everything you do to make sure that you're worth keeping it's basically like a trial program yeah it's like a a 30 30 day free trial to become a student at a university yeah okay um while he was there, he joined the Phi Delta Theta fraternity, which, if you know anything about fraternities, that's a thing. Unfortunately, <laughs> I don't have a lot of knowledge about fraternities or sororities or what. No, I've just been a part of an honor society for a day. I just, I just, I, well, I went to such a specialized school. We didn't have those things. Yeah, I didn't participate in those. <laughs> Especially, I mean, I had a, I went to a Catholic university they had them, but most of those were for the women. Uh, they had more sororities and they had fraternities. And I think it's just because the men of the school were not really interested in that kind of stuff. And even at Temple, when I went there, I was focused so much on my degree that I was not even worried about yeah. fraternities. I remember my best friend was in a fraternity and he would tell me stories that terrified me. And he thought they were the best times of his life. And I just remember thinking... Not for me. No. No, thank you. No, thanks. Going back to Frank Lloyd Wright um, and his education at uh, University of Wisconsin-Madison, he actually only took two semesters worth of classes part-time and then left. Hmm. He went to then just um, apprenticed with um, other engineers and architects in Chicago at the time. So and more practical training rather yeah, than... Back back when you could apprentice with people and yeah. get a, an education that way instead of having to go into debt for a degree. Yeah. 
I'm so much debt. It's not even funny. I will say, as part of his legacy, he will go. He would have gone on to earn uh, an honorary doctorate from University of Wisconsin Madison. Okay. Much later, <laughs> nearly so. at the end of his life, uh, but he's gotten so many awards and accolades at this at at this this kind of time period of American history. Degrees were not as powerful as they are today. Yeah, most most people. And I would think being an architect, you sort of have to just prove you can do it. Yeah. It's hard to fake being an architect. Yeah. And he certainly did prove that time and time again. Exactly. So he's he's got all the qualifications it takes to be America's best... <laughs> I was going to say America's best top architect and immediately we've been watching way too much we've been watching way too much RuPaul's RuPaul's Drag Drag Race Race. America's (laughs) next drag architect immediately my mind popped into my head Um, not not being in drag he was still very successful well that's good I mean I mean people outside of drag can can be successful sometimes Um, (laughs) but I wanted to talk uh, just a little bit because he has so many famous works of of architecture that to go to talk to all of them would be an episode no one would want to listen to if i'm if i'm being honest i mean i don't i mean unless you're like really horny for architecture (laughs) but i don't i don't even my dad who's a huge frank lloyd wright fan and is the reason why i thought of this as a good topic for this show even he would not want to listen to an entire episode on every single building of frank lloyd wright's so I'm just going to talk about the, t- the the top, I'll say the top three. Okay. There's the two that pretty much everyone knows. One that's a little bit less known, but has some juicy stories about Not in a very fun way. It's kind of sad. Oh. Anyway, we'll get back to that. Okay. Um, but most people, in particular, if they if they know of Frank Lloyd Wright, or they know, if they know of any famous buildings in, in, in America, two of the most well-known of his are called Falling Water. Mm-hmm. Which is located in the Royal Highlands, uh, the Laurel Highlands of PA, roughly around Mill Run, PA, about ninety minutes south of Pittsburgh. Okay, um, and the other one, probably the the most famous Frank Lloyd Wright building that you didn't know probably was a Frank Lloyd Wright building, is the Solomon R. Guggenheim Museum building in New York City. Wow. Yes. So those are the those are the two I would say two big ones. Yeah. The reason why I would I would name Falling Water before Solomon R. Guggenheim is kind of that that's his like masterpiece. It's magnum opus. Yeah. Kind of. Most people know that is his building, and they most people have seen the pictures and seen the building and not known who Frank Lloyd Wright is. Is kind of yeah. what sparked my interest with wanting to talk about him. Is he's so well known, and so many people don't know him that well. Yeah. So. For people that don't know Falling Water, which is, I would suggest you look up a picture. It's it's a, a house built into this forest mountain in Pennsylvania. It's been called by the American Institute of Architects, ironically enough, an institute that Frank Lloyd Wright did not agree with and did not like at all, <laughs> but was called the best all-time work of American architecture. And they were they declared that in 1991. Mm. And as of 2019, it is a UNESCO World Heritage Site, as as well as seven other of his works, including the Solomon Argenheim. Wow. Um, and it's, as of 1974, it was put on the registry of the National Register of Historic Places 
1966, it went on the U.S. National Historic Landmark list, and as of 1994, it's on Pennsylvania's Historical Marker list. Wow. So, kind of all of the accolades you can get as a building yeah. given to to this and will also be in Guggenheim and uh, um, six other of his, his structures. Yeah. And if you want to see a picture of it, I'll list it in the show notes on our website so that you can see a picture of it without you having to go and search for it on Google. The famous quality of Falling Water really equated to what his idea of what architecture should be. He became the philosopher for this idea of organic architecture, right? which is something that he coined. He coined the term, but he didn't really f- like figure out what made architecture organic architecture versus other design philosophies. But years later, uh, an architect named David Pearson wrote up he, the rules, mm-hmm. air quote, rules, um, and, have been, and they have been dubbed the, the, the Gaia Charter. The Gaia as in Gaia. Mother Earth. Mother Earth. Yeah. Love it. Um, but the, the rules of this state... Um, as a design, let the design be inspired by nature and be sustainable, healthy, conserving, and diverse. Unfold like an organism from the seed within. Exist in the continuous present and begin again and again. Follow the flows and be flexible and adaptable. Satisfy social, physical, and spiritual needs. Grow out of the site and be unique. Celebrate the spirit of youth, play, and surprise. And express the rhythm of music and the power of dance. <laughs> wow <laughs> i don't know about that last bit that, but i love that, it i was i was like "Ooh, yeah and then you said the power of dance and i was like dance <laughs> you just got your wig got snatched in that oh, one we got snatched <laughs> um but it's very much if you if you were to look at a picture or go see falling water it very much embodies those. It's built into this landscape. The, there's a river flows underneath the building, and it's not like just a, a simple, you know, flood drain kind of thing. It's yeah. like it's incorporated into the design of the building, and so a lot of it involves a lot of his work. In 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 particular, kind of in started off this idea of like let's not just make these hard, rigid, square buildings, and let's try to like integrate them into the environment let's push them and and make the environment part of the design of the building right yeah which makes it so much more interesting when you're thinking about i mean if you if you have such a beautiful area around you why wouldn't you just integrate right. it in, into the art that you're creating well it, it was kind of counter to the idea of a lot of especially like if you think of the early settlements in of america it's like let's chop everything down to make space for our houses instead right. he, this and this is this is still oh, this is old like this this uh not, not old but like pretty damn old uh, yeah it was constructed in 1935 so if you think yeah. that's i mean no just on 90 years so or so ago but and and but to think of like 90 years ago this design philosophy was being created yeah is kind of what is so I, especially at the time, so revolutionary. Right. Because no one was thinking of, of these kinds of ideas. And Falling Water, to this day, still looks as modern as as other currently designed structures for... Yeah. Like, it's not. It's a, become a pretty timeless design. Yeah. 
Um, I'm sure it, it inspired a lot too. Oh, oh yes. Frank Lloyd Wright is 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 like is like the the name for architects, especially right. in America, because yeah. he did so many wonderful designs and so many impactful, memorable buildings, right. and structures. Um, and of course, when you get you know labeled as a UNESCO World Heritage Site, that also helps cement your oh yeah your popularity for. And not Ever. just, yeah, and not just that, but the whole idea of, like, making it that heritage site would also keep it up to date. People are working on making oh, yeah. sure it's that preserved. it's and, preserved, right. Well, it helps, and um, something I'll talk more later, but there's a Frank Lloyd Wright Foundation. Mm. So there's an entire organization designed to basically keep architectural uh, pieces of art alive and, right. and flourishing and and preserved and... And so there's like there there's lots of involved to to keep those things looking as prim and proper as they can. Yeah. Um. Um. And then the other so so yeah that's basically the gist of falling water. It's one of my favorite structures. Yeah. In architecture, I mean, so many of his his so so many of Frank Lloyd Wright's designs are so great. But to me, that's just it's so pleasing to look at. Yeah. It's. It's just the kind of building that makes me want to be. Like I think of it and go, "That's the house I want." I know. But I will never get because I can never. There's no way in earth I would ever be able to live there. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, we wouldn't be able to. I mean, it's it's a world heritage site now, obviously. <laughs> but it's the thing where, like, if I had one reference that I could, I could have all the money in the world to build my dream house. That is the number one reference. Yeah, I'm just looking at a picture of it right now. I mean, there's there's nothing like it. It's so interesting that you you have it's it's really really is built into the landscape. I mean, it the water falls down right as soon as it gets to the edge of the house, right underneath it. And but the, even the the like the waterfalls are like almost the way that some people would want to ask for that feature be put in. Yeah. Like that's that's all natural landscaping with these cantilever like floors that that go out over the river yeah. and make it seem like it's like I mean the waterfall doesn't look man-made. I mean is it man-made? No, it's it, it that's was, that's the point is that it's all like the structures are the structures that were that there. Were there. Okay. That they built around as opposed to and that's the whole point of organic architecture is to promote the the harmony between nature and human habitation. Right. So it's not meant to displace and take out any of the natural beauty of the the landscape it's to work with it and make those two sides come together yeah i mean and that's definitely something that falling water because of the part and do because it's a great just a great landscape and where they built it is what makes it so successful of a project yeah and so that's that's the big the big 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 uh, piece of architecture that people would really be able to to if they were to associate anything, that's the one that I think most people who know Frank Lloyd Wright would immediately go to. Like immediately, I've I've said this before already. I mean, it like I actually even said at the top of the episode, as soon as you said Frank Lloyd Wright, I was like, that house in Pennsylvania with the waterfall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and that's why the second most popular, well known of Frank Lloyd Wright's buildings is the Guggenheim Building mm. in New York City. One that um, I did not know that he built. Yeah. Uh, he he designed it in nine. It, well, it was built in 1959. Um, again, it was a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And there's also on all of those same lists as uh, Falling Water, except obviously not the Pennsylvania historical marker, but it is a New York City historical landmarker. Right. Um, and that building, while not integrated into nature because it's in the middle of a city, it definitely feels organic compared to the buildings around it. Right. It's those 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 concentric circles of that mm-hmm. build up that's that atrium that everyone who would who has been to the Guggenheim knows how open and spacious that I must the, confess I've never been to the Guggenheim. You fake art fan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I just I honestly it's it's the kind of it's it's the contemporary art museum, so sometimes it's like the weird like way out of the left park weird art. Yeah. I mean, I the only time I had ever gone to the Guggenheim, uh, I was in high school, and there was a my Polish exchange student friend. Mm. We had a program I was a part of. He desperately wanted to see the Guggenheim. It was like the number one thing that he wanted to do. My parents and I were all like, "Yeah, sure, let's go," because we all had to take our our students to New York City for one trip. Yeah, could have been whenever we wanted, but that was like the big part of like the obligation on our end is because New York City is such a like cultural right cultural hub for so many things right they wanted to make sure that these these kids who came over got to see not just little suburban new jersey but they got to see some like metropolitan american metropolitan because these kids were all from krakow okay um and so they they already kind of knew what a European city was. So to them, they never really had seen a more modernly constructed city because most like cities in America look nothing like cities in Europe because their cities are centuries and centuries and centuries old that have been built up around and they've become more modern, but the roots of it are all still. Yeah. I mean, we get cities like Philadelphia where we live and there are parts of it where you're kind of like, oh, I mean, that's pretty old, but then the rest of it is... But comparative. But, is, yeah. Like, we're looking at Old City in Philadelphia as old when it's, like, 200 years old. Yeah, like it's, it's not... It's, it's 200 years versus, you know, sometimes 600, 700 oh, years. Oh, yeah. Some, some so, even incorporating ancient... Right, yeah. Like, like Rome. Thousands of years old. Athens. And- yeah. Absolutely. So that was a big trip for me to go see the Guggenheim. The exhibit was, nah, it was literally, it was some, one of those like kind of art exhibits where you're like, this is just like, like some like pompous asshole, <laughs> like, like trying to be like, this is what art is very <laughs> stupid art. Like, that's what I always think of. Like, yeah, like I'm an artist. I am. I do what I do for a living. There is some whack art that sometimes it's like all art is is supposed to make you feel a certain way and like yeah there's that that like that kind of frustrating to me rule of like well if you didn't like it you just didn't get it like yeah I mean there's that art exhibit in the Philadelphia Museum of Art it's just like like a kid draw crayons on the wall uh, yeah seen that one. yeah I don't I don't it's it's art like that that I don't fully understand and, well, and it, it, it's not for me so I well th- this this art was like some guy took like couch stuffing and put a belt around it <laughs> or he like took some plastic and melted it and like just melted it and folded it in half yeah like it was like it was like it's the kind of stuff where they they, they say that there's a message behind the art and then they give you their message and you're like it sounds like you just made that up on the spot because yeah. you're trying to justify your bad art. You just want money. You want you want somebody to pay you 
right at this moment well, it's just like oh and that's the thing is people will that's yeah. what's crazy is that the, yeah this guy and i don't remember who the artist was because my entire family and the polish kid hi andrew uh let's say polish kid like he doesn't have anything beyond being polish he's a very lovely person anyway we all left that that exhibit feeling a little bit like this was weird and not in a good way but we all remarked that the building was the best part yes let's get back to the building that was the point of this whole thing is (laughs) we went to see this exhibit and that's unfortunate because the because a lot of the art exhibits are much more contemporary and are sometimes those like extremely high fine art type exhibits yeah you may not get a chance to go in unless you're there for the building and right. it's unfortunate you can't just go in for the building you have to like pay to get in just to see that the yeah. whole thing is the exhibits inside are kind of meh but the building is beautiful yeah the most i've seen of the building is watching mozart and the jungle <laughs> when gloria goes in to there to meet up and because she was getting that job interview there and that's the most that i've seen of that building but that's i mean that that's part of it the that honestly there's there's been lots of movies that have filmed in that age because yeah. it's just so iconic but it's just so open it's so mm-hmm. it's almost like refreshingly open that's kind of what i think a lot yeah. of that is that's the the philosophy of architecture is you see it and you get kind of like a bit of relief from seeing it oh right yeah. it feels it feels natural yeah even though it's very unnatural yeah <laughs> but that was that was his point Right. And that's, again, back to the whole organic architecture philosophy. Not all of Frank Lloyd Wright's life was the happiest or the most stable, even in his adult life. Um, he ran away from his his first wife, Catherine, and his family to Europe mm. with the wife of his neighbor, Edwin, named Mama. Mama? Mama Cheney. Wow. M-A-M-A-H. Oh, Mama. wow. So it's really her name. That's her name. That's not like Mama Cheney. Like, no, like her name is Mama. Oh, wow. It was a huge scandal. Frank Lloyd Wright was a huge celebrity in that way, being plastered in the media for... Because this is like like way back in the day when you couldn't do these things. Yeah. You know, there was, it was really like, ta- like taboo to, to leave your wife and your family and divorce. Like that's stuff that you would never do. That was that was the idea, um, but alas, they became lovers, which I hate that word. But they came, be, they became lovers, and Mama Mama Cheney became Frank Lloyd Wright's mistress. And to help protect the the media f- from getting to his beloved, his now new beloved, Wright built built a house for Mama in Wisconsin. South of a village called Spring Green, named Taylison. And I hope I'm saying that right, because it's Welsh. I don't know Welsh very well. You got me there. T-A-L-I-E-S-I-N. Taylison. That sounds pretty close. I'd say I got it in one. Um, And Taylison was a building named after a figure in Welsh mythology of the same name. For being, uh, who was known for being a magician, poet, and priest. So mm-hmm. it was, a, I guess, his way of kind of. It was one. One. It was going to become a studio for the, yeah. for the remainder of his life, but also it was this like idea of, like, protection and, and amnesty. In yeah, a way of, like making you disappear. Yeah, making him disappear, making like priest and amnesty and sanctuary yeah. and a church kind of thing. Um, that's all kind of speculation, but 
Yeah. Anyway, so uh, that's that's what I got away from the name. Um, and so he built this 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 massive house that is still here to this day, and is also a UNESCO World Heritage Site, as with the others. Uh, at this point, I've named three of them. Yeah. Three of seven. No, three of eight. My bad. Um, but this house that was meant to be protection for Mama would not proved to be as protective as Frank Lloyd Wright would have wanted it to be. On August 15th, 1914, while Wright was working in Chicago, their servant named Julian Carlton set the living quarters on fire. Oh no. And while it burned, he murdered seven people with an axe. Damn. I know. The dead included Mama, her two children, John and Martha, their gardener, David Lindblom, a draftsman named Emil Brodil, a workman named Thomas Brunker, and a workman, one of the other workmen's sons, Ernest Weston. Yikes. Two people survived, one of whom was William Weston. Carlton, before the police arrived, swallowed hydrochloric acid, trying to kill himself. Did not work. Oh, wow. The police nearly lynched him like at when they got there, but instead they brought, they, they arrested him. They took him to Dodgeville jail and Carlton died from starvation seven weeks after starvation. Yeah. They didn't feed him. I guess not. I guess not. The bitch didn't deserve it. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, and so I just found it to be kind of this irony that this house that was built to be a protection from the media and from, from, People throwing shame on them ended up being the one place where Mama would meet her an unfortunate end. Now, is this place restored or oh, yeah, is yeah. it still like damaged? Nope, they've rebuilt it actually uh, a few times just since then. Um, and so it's fully back to, to normal. It, as far as I was able to find, it's still... In some ways, still used as a, a housing situation for students of. There's an institute of architecture uh, in that area. Okay. Um, and so some students still live there as part of this like school dormitory kind of thing, but like it's meant for like specially selected students get to stay mm-hmm. there because it's like this. Yeah, I thing. mean, selected students. I mean. That's got to be mad haunted. <laughs> I mean, they haven't had any issues since. Oh, that's good. But I just found that to be very, like, I, I didn't know this. This is one of the few things I learned mm. going into this this episode. Like, I never heard of this tragedy, and, and it's not something that yeah a lot of, I think, a lot of what Frank Lloyd Wright's legacy is ever wanting to really yeah, just keep kinda... at the forefront. But it's this unfortunate catastrophe that frank lloyd wright lost his his love and a bunch of other people that were working with him but it's it's still there it's still functioning in fact after this ordeal he built a second location in arizona that he called taylison west as kind of like a Mm. like a hub of where he would later continue to live the rest of his life i think i knew that about him um and so all of these buildings are still up. Again, this is this uh, Taylison in 
Wisconsin is also UNESCO Heritage Site, is on the National Registry for Historic Places, a National Historic Landmark, and was left to the Frank Lloyd Wright Foundation at, after his death, um, which happened on April 9th, 1959. Which brings me into wanting to just briefly talk on his legacy. Yeah. What kind of came to the rest of, of his life after. Um, so he has had 400 structure like buildings built wow. in his life, um, which does include all the other like uh, statues and, you know, sculptures and stuff that he had designed. Um, and currently out of that 400, there are 300 that still stand. Various different reasons have, have caused a hundred of them from weather to, you know, forces of nature to needing to make room for other things in, in the areas that they've been built. Um, but he was awarded, uh, uh, awarded many honorary recognitions for his lifetime achievements. He received a gold medal from the Royal Institute of British Architects in 1941. Um, the American Institute of Architects awarded him the, uh, a gold medal in architecture in 1949, which was their way of burying the hatchet over this, mm. this drama that Frank Lloyd Wright sort of looked them because, because the, back then the, the American Institute of Architecture was, or American Institute of Architects was this society, like basically like a fraternity type yeah. of like, this is what architecture is. And Frank Lloyd Wright was like, doesn't have to be what you're saying it is. He wanted to do his own thing. So um, actually, it's funny when Frank Lloyd Wright was given the medal, he uh, was interviewed and said, well, the AIA, I never joined and they know why. When they gave me the gold medal in Houston, I told them frankly why, feeling that the architecture profession is all that's the, that's the matter with architecture. Why should I join them? So he was very adamant even later in his life when he still had his, his feelings about certain things. Yeah. He's been awarded many more awards from uh, the Franklin Institute, uh, Frank P. Brown Medal in 1953. He's received numerous honorary degrees, including from his alma mater, University of Wisconsin-Madison. Um, and sev several nations have named him an honorary board member for the National Ac Academies of Art and or Architecture. Wow. So he's been... Um, and was this during his lifetime or was it after? Partial. Some was before and some was after. Oh, okay. Um, so he died in, 19, in 1959. So like he got the gold, gold medal from the, the American Institute of Architects during his life. He got the gold medal from the Royal Institute of British Architects during his life. Um, but he's had some things dedicated to him after. Um, and something that I wanted to bring that I, I found and I wanted to bring especially with you is mm -hmm. that in 1992, the Madison opera Ooh. in Madison, Wisconsin Ooh. commissioned and premiered the opera shining brow by composer Darren Hagen and librettist Paul Muldoon based on events of his life. Wow. Um, I did know that we talked about this a little bit in preparation of this episode. I went and listened to it. It's, Pretty good music. I haven't listened to the whole thing yet, but I'm uh, excited to listen to more of it. Yeah, and just to continue on with 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 the the theater in 2000, 
there was a play based on his life and his relationship between um, the, pers- the personal and working aspects of his life called Th- Work Song, Three Views of Frank Lloyd Wright, mm. which debuted at the Milwaukee Repertory Theater. Okay. Um, and he, like I said, eight buildings of his are, as of 2019, are declared UNESCO World Heritage Sites. Um, uh, one thing, a little fun fact I thought about with, with his, his lineage, his son, John Lloyd Wright, not, not any real close re- familial relationship there. They, he was part of the first marriage that didn't end well. Yeah. Um, but just as a fun fact, like I said, I'd bring it back up. John Lloyd Wright is, was an architecture and a designer who is responsible for designing Lincoln Logs, Ooh. which became one of the first toys to enter the Toy Hall of Fame. Wow. So full circle, back to right. toys. Right, exactly. See, it's, I talked about the Lincoln Logs and ended with the Lincoln Logs. Yeah. <laughs> um, but after his death, his third wife, Olga Vanna, and their children set up the, Floyd, the Franklin Lloyd Wright Foundation, which has... A vision and a mission that I'd like to share. Okay. The Frank Lloyd Wright Foundation's vision is, in the words of Frank Lloyd Wright, to make life more beautiful, the world a better one for living in, and to give reason, rhyme, and meaning to life. Wow. Which I think is just very... That's very powerful. Powerful, very beautiful. And their mission is to inspire people to discover and embrace an architecture for better living through meaningful connections to nature, the arts, and each other. Oh. Which is so sweet to end on. Yeah. Well, that's all we have for today, listener. I hope you had fun listening to our show. My name is Brian Edwards. And I'm Stephen Trigar. And we ask you, listener, are you feeling really cultured today? Bye. Bye Bye-bye now. You're still with us, listener? I would hope. So the episode's not over yet. I mean, kind of is. But... I mean, yeah, it, it's over. But that was our first recorded episode. Well, if you want to listen to other episodes of ours coming up, we have such great topics we want to share with all of you. Topics like... Vincent Van Gogh. Image and Heap. The SCP Foundation. Alice in Wonderland. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. The Norse Pantheon and Mythology. The Greek pantheon and mythology. Victor Hugo. A Legend of Zelda. The Wizard of Oz. The Art Nouveau style. William Shakespeare. The Art of Voice Acting. And American Sign Language. And future topics we haven't even thought of yet. So if you want to join us on our adventure of culturing ourselves and sharing that all with you, then subscribe on your favorite podcast platform And we can't wait to see you in our next episodes. Don't wait. We're waiting for you. That's creepy. (laughs) Bye-bye. Alexandrian Media. Art and culture for the modern era.